Man, I am really fired up and excited to resume a message we started last week, pick up where we left off. We started a really powerful, thought-provoking, soul-stirring message, and I got a lot of great feedback from this past week talking to some folks that said, man, they just hadn't really thought of, 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 of the love of God this way. And uh, it really encourages me and excites me that y'all are excited. Amen. And uh, so we're going to be resuming a message titled, Who Remembers the Name of the Message? God Hates. That's a pretty radical statement, ain't it? But it's a pretty true statement if you study the Word of God. See, I believe in these last days, God, I said last week, he, He's going to begin to start separating those who are living in purity, those who are living a righteous life through His Son, and those that are not doing that. Are you saying the right things, but maybe your life looks nothing like the things that you confess? Or are you saying the right things and living and following God? Because God in these last days, He wants His children, He wants His churches to align their values, somebody say values, with His. And see, when you study the Word of God, it's all good news. But what the enemy does, and he's so cunning, is he plucks little truths. And I call them partial truths. He plucks little truths and takes statements out of the Word of God, things like James 4 says, God is, or 1 John 4, I mean, God is love. Who believes that? God is love. If you read your Bible, it, it'll prove to you, it'll say that God is love. See, but God loves every single person. Believe me, He does. But He doesn't love every single thing. See, God loves you, but He hates the sin in you. If you got a neighbor, tell him God loves you. But he sees that sin in you. Uh -huh. See, God loves you, but he despises the sin. God loves everyone, but he doesn't love everything. Because God despises evil, he sent his son. Because God loves everyone, God sent his son. What's another partial truth of Scripture? God loves you just the way that you are. Is that true? Yes, but there's a but. God loves you so much, He sent His Son to save you, redeem you, set you free. But upon that revelation of how much God loves you, He wants you to begin to grow and be transformed into the image of God through His Son. God is love. God loves you just the way that you are. But there's always going to be something based in our faith that God calls us to do. Think of it like this. Because of righteousness, because God loves righteousness, 
He hates evil. Because God loves justice, He hates injustice. Because God loves sinners, He hates sin. So I'm excited to go a little deeper. If you missed last week, y'all missed the doozy. Somebody say doozy. And for time's sake, you can catch up. Check it on our app. Check it on Facebook, all of our social media accounts. You can, you can catch up real easy. And so we're going to pick up today really with our foundational scripture that we used from last week. It's going to come out of Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. Okay, so this is a, a pretty powerful scripture. And so verse 16, it says... These are six things the Lord, what's it say? Hates. God is love, but God also has things that he hates. And it says, yes, seven are actually an abomination to him. Look at 17. A proud look. We went all through pride last week. And what I want you to do right now is if you're following along in your Bible or on your phone through our notes app, I want you to highlight or underline these next two statements we're going to talk about today. A lying tongue and hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift and running to evil, and a false witness who speaks lies and one who sows discord among the brethren. Brethren, Seven things the Lord hates, and we're going to spend each week studying at least two. And so today we're going to focus on lying and the murdering, the shedding of innocent blood. And I said last week, church, I hope you're ready to stand and proclaim truth, even if it offends, because they are already labeling this hate speech. They are already trying to label this Hate speech. Why? Because they're using a partial truth. God is love, and so I don't have to change the way that I live. Even if it's a lie. Even if it hurts or offends somebody else. No, but God is love, but there's also some things that he despises. That go against his laws. That go against who he is as a savior. Because God is holy, God is good, God is justice, God is perfect. And every single person on the face of the planet falls of those things. That's why we need Jesus, right? So God is love, but God also hates, amen? So let's look at that first point today. And so I said we're going to study lying and we're going to study murder today. So this first point, look what it says. It says, so God hates lying lips. God hates lying lips because he is truth. I want to expound on that a little bit today. Truth is actually who he is. Did you know the identity of God is truth? That he actually proclaimed that he's truth? It's who he is, right? So God despises lies because they deceive and they lead others astray. And the partial truth is still a lie. I did some studying this week, and it says that Jesus in the New Testament 78 times says, hear me because I speak truth. 78 times. Now, your pastor don't have that much time to study and find every one of those. You know, I had a, a magic helper called Google. 
Praise God for technology. Amen. But I just want you to know that you can trust Jesus because he is truth. Everything that he says, he'll never lead you astray. Everything that he proclaims, everything that he proclaimed outside of even his words. You know, he proclaimed a whole lot on that cross without having to even open his mouth. Because he is love. Because he is truth. And church, we got to despise lies. We have to hate lies as much as God does. Because lies are dangerous. They deceive. They kill. They separate. <laughs> Get this. We, we need to despise lies as much as when they're told to us. Everybody ever been lied to? How'd that make you feel when you found out? Was you mad? Was you angry? Did you feel like your trust was violated? Uh, all right, we got to despise being lied to, hear me, hear me, just as much as when you think about maybe saying a lie to protect what? To protect what? Isn't it amazing, any parents here in the sanctuary? You know something? You don't have to teach your kids, how to? Me and Pastor Jessica are slowly getting to see a little bit of this in Xander. He's still a little too small. His two favorite words are no and stop. <laughs> he don't say stop. He says pop, pop, pop. That's probably what they're hearing in, in children's church right now. I'm sorry, Michelle. He's probably saying pop, pop, pop. That's because that's all he ever hears from us, right? No, no, and stop, stop doing that. But isn't it amazing because, somebody say because, you, me, your neighbor, were born into sin since the fall of Adam. That's our natural leaning. Truth has to be taught. Truth has to be taught. Truth has to be Received truth has to be believed in. And this is what scares me is because the longer we go on until Jesus comes back, the more comfortable living in your sin, living in lies is going to become. Because our world is a lying world leading other liars into a big facade of lies. I said last week, you know, we got all this pushback. We're pretty blessed to live in the area that we do, but you hear all sorts of crazy things on, on the news and on the internet, right? People identifying as whatever they want to identify as. You hear these people having multiple pronouns. That is a slap in the face against God. He don't make junk. If you were born, born a boy, you were meant to be born a boy. If you were born, born a girl, you were meant to be born a girl. And for you to say, I identify as a tree, so respect that. So my feelings can be spared is a slap against the sovereignty of God. Nobody wants to talk about mental illness in this nation. Mental illness stemmed 
in spiritual sickness because lies have been perpetuated for people to continue to live in their lies, to stay in comfortability. And I wonder all the while the church has just laid back. Well, God is love. It's not my place. God loves them just the way that they are. Y'all, you know how the enemy works, right? He whispers little. And if he can keep you stuck in just staying back and not proclaiming truth, that grieves God. So when I say God in these last days is going to separate the pure and the righteous from those that are just wearing the Christian shirts, have the Christian slogans, come to church, it's going to cost us something. It's going to cost us something. Lies are dangerous. Look at John 14, 6 through 7. This is a scripture that I use a lot. It's a scripture I go back to a lot because it's a powerful scripture. I said God hates lying because he is truth. And Jesus said, I am the way and the... What does he say? The... Right? I am the way, I am the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my father is. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. God is truth, and if we know that truth, we should be speaking that truth. I said last week, we need to value people's souls more than their toes. If you really love somebody, you're going to tell them the truth, even if it hurts, right? Having babies and raising them in truth, it's raising them in truth has to be taught. And we have to be able to, to see and recognize souls, people, no matter where they, where they live, what they do, where, whatever stance they have politically or religion-wise. If it compromises what we believe in, we can do it in love. I'm not saying that's, that's, that's be hateful and... and, and, and we're probably going to bump heads if they disagree, but we can still speak out in love, can't we? And at the end of the day, they can either what? Receive it or they can. Right? So if God provides you opportunities to speak truth, please do. And don't just, don't just do that in your family. Let's take advantage of the people that we go to work with. There's probably some lost folks at your work. There's probably some lost folks in the aisles at Walmart or in the aisles of Dollar General or in the line as you're standing getting something to eat. God, he always sets us up for opportunities to speak in love and to speak out, right? Truth is God's identity. Think of that. I am the way, Christ said. I am the truth, and I am the life. Get this. He said, ye shall know the, and the shall set you free. People are bound going to hell in deception and in lies. And Jesus says, your freedom is in me. Ye shall know the truth, and the truth 
is what's going to set you free. Not a get help quick book that you're going to read. Not a post you're going to read on Facebook. Not a post you're going to read on Instagram. But Jesus Christ himself, the Son of God, is what's going to set you free. You shall know the truth, he said. I'm he. Jesus said, I'm he. Who was ever lost before they was found? Few honest hands. I was lost. Y'all hear my story all the time. What's the thing, though? Try to think of your life before you came to Christ. Think how stubborn you was. Think how arrogant you was. This is where we have to have compassion and grace for those that are currently lost. Because, see, when we come to Christ and we begin to live and follow him, we, if we lose that compassion, we lose sight of who God is. And we lose sight of what God wants us to do. Because I had people minister to me. I had people tell me truth. And guess what? Ian still chose himself. Chose his sin. Chose his addiction. Chose his lies. Chose whatever I wanted to do in that place, in that moment, with those people over God and everything else. But... There's a but. I still found my way to Jesus. See, when you're deceived, you don't know. Right? And so this is why we have to speak truth, even if people deny it, reject it, because we have to believe there's a coming of a day and a time and an hour where that person will know the truth and they shall be set free. How cool would it be if you do speak that truth and they get born again, saved right there? Come on, somebody. Let's make that our prayer. Let's say, Jesus, before I open my mouth, this is going to be laced in so much love and so much truth. They're going to get born again right now, Jesus. What if we thought and believed and lived that way instead of killing the mission of God before we even open our Value their soul and the destination where their soul is going to go more than the condition of their toes, of their feelings. If it's in truth, they'll probably accept it. May not be then, but if it's in truth, they'll accept it. Amen. Look at that next point. Our world is starving. Say that word with me, starving, starving. Our world is starving for truth. It just doesn't know it. Why? Because it's so consumed with sin, Satan, self, lies, deceit, corruption. Ideas that set themselves up against God and the authority and sovereignty of God. It's starving for truth and it doesn't even know it. God wants us to feed his sheep. In order to do that, we must be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. Y'all agree the world's starving for truth. Because the world is starving for truth, that means people need to eat. <laughs> Who likes to eat? Man, we live in Holly Pond, right? I like to eat. 
I like to eat. If the world is starving, people need to eat. And what I want to do is show you that God wants us to feed people with His Word and feed people with His truth, but it goes beyond that. Feeding people being the light of Christ and the salt of the earth. You know what I like to do when I eat most of my food? And Pastor Jessica's always like, why are you doing that? I like to put some salt on my steak, some salt on my mashed potatoes. I like to put some salt on just about anything that I eat. So are you living a salty life? Or does your life look just as gray as Billy Bob's, who's lost, deceived? You know the truth. You may claim to know the truth, but you're not being the light of Christ, and you're not living a salty life, and you're not feeding God's sheep. People are starving Guys, and the only thing that can satisfy that starvation is the love of God. Think of your life before you knew Christ. You were starving for truth and you didn't even know it. Ian was starving for truth and love and acceptance and for a family that would love and, 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 and care for him. It was a spiritual family I didn't even know that I needed. And because I was so starving for those things, how did I try to feed myself? With vodka. With weed. With any other drug I could get my hands on. I tried to escape through means like pornography. Did I go too far? Pornography is a, a demon. They say that 94% of men in churches across this nation are addicted to pornography some way, form, or fashion. So don't tell me I went too far because if we don't speak out truth and say God hates pornography, then men and women won't turn from their wickedness. We align our values with God when we see what God loves is good. He loves the good things and He hates the bad things. Those things are evil, killing, destroying people's lives. And if you know Jesus, how could you watch that stuff and continue to feel good about yourself? The world is starving. That's why it's addicted to these things. The world is starving. That's why they say an average person has six, I said six, social media accounts that you have to keep up with. Yo, I'm good with two. It's enough. To drive me bonkers. Do I really need to see what you had for dinner on Tuesday night at 4.15? I'd probably say, man, need some salt. <laughs> right? We're starving and we're consumed with all the wrong things that don't even matter. Jesus matters. Has that come, just become cliche? Is that something that we just say? Do we really mean it? Do we really believe it? Do we really live it? If Jesus is all that matters, my life should look radically different. If Jesus is all that matters, I should honor him by loving what he loves and hating, yes, I said hating what he hates. Facebook, you want to shut me down? I don't care. I ain't scared of you. 
God is love, but he wants us to love what he loves and hate what he hates. Right? He hates lies. Look at Matthew 5, 13 through 16. It says, you are the salt, there it is, of the earth. But what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the salt of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. We feed people with God's word. We need to lead people by the light. And we need to live salty lives using truth to help keep people inside the blessing of God, to condemn evil, to condemn sin, to condemn hate. You know, some churches aren't even using that word sin anymore. That don't jive with God's values, you know that? Uh, there was an atonement for sin. His name is Jesus. And he had to come because God hates sin. Right? Be the light of Christ. Would you, would you bushel a lamp, it says. No, that defeats the purpose. If you're the light of Christ, are you shining the light for others to see? Are you feeding God's people? God's truth will always draw others onto him. And God will set you up. He'll bring people to you to draw. If, you're gonna, if your heart is, God, I, I love you and I love people, God will bring people to you to draw onto him. If I'm living in truth, I should be winning others to the kingdom of God. How many people did you win to the kingdom of God this last week? Statistics would say zero. Want to know another statistic? They say 93% of Christians Never, somebody say never, lead another person to Christ. That's less than 10% of God's kingdom. I got real quiet in here. Are you just dependent on your pastors to do all that for you? Is that part of my job? Yes. But guess what? If you're born in the kingdom of God, you should love people. And value their soul that if God provides an opportunity for you to pray for somebody to accept Christ, do it. Don't let, don't let fear, what am I going to say? Or, I don't want to look, look dumb or look stupid. Just let the Holy Spirit lead you. It's like jumping. You got to just go. Right? Look at question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Then Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Y'all know I just said that three times. That was perfect. Then feed his sheep. They're starving. It says the harvest is plentiful. There are starving people everywhere, but the laborers are few. Are you laboring? Oh, that'll preach for the kingdom of God. You know, living for God is not a cushy, 
easy, breezy kind of life. It takes work. It takes love. It takes compassion. It takes faith to feed God's sheep. Are you feeding his sheep? Amen. Amen. I'm wrapping up online. Is that good with you? Look at that next point. The next thing that we read out of Proverbs today is that God hates the shedding of innocent blood. Mm. Somebody said, mm. God hates murder because he's life. Did you know life is his identity too? It's the exact opposite of death. He is life. Murder violates God's will. It's not God's will that anyone would perish. God's will is that all would have life and life eternal. Think about all the way back in Genesis, Adam and Eve. Did you know that before they chose their sin over God, they did not die? They had life, eternal life. And it wasn't until creation, man, chose their sin over God that not just sin entered the world, but death entered the world. And so ever since then, people have been killing people for all sorts of crazy reasons. Offense. Y'all remember Cain and Abel? Cain was offended that God looked favorably on his brother. And what did he do? He killed him. All because of offense. God hates the shedding of innocent blood. Do you remember God's response? He said, your brother's blood cries out from the ground of what you did. Why? Because it was innocent shed blood. And so hear me, probably none of us know a murderer, probably have not met a murderer, but there are murderers out there. And those that have been murdered, innocent people who have been murdered are going to be vindicated on the day of judgment because Jesus is justice. Jesus is justice. And isn't it crazy that just about a month and a half ago, our nation finally, somebody say finally, stood up for the innocent shedding of blood of unborn babies all across this nation. Shouldn't the mother's womb be the safest place on God's creation? How did it come to become the most vile and volatile place? Because of sin. Because of lies. My body, my choice. That's a partial truth. See, it was your choice before you tangled. Oh, come on, somebody. You know it takes two to tango? Y'all picking up what I'm throwing down? Uh, and it was your body... And your choice then. And because of that partial truth, now what have we done? We have opened a Pandora's box that says, no longer do you have to have repercussions for the choices that you make. No more responsibility for your actions. Because you want to do something else. Uh, upon conception, it's no longer your body. It's actually its own body. It's called, it's favored. I wonder how many children God has tried to send into the world that because of lies, 
you better believe those unborn lives are going to be in heaven. And if those that killed them, the doctors, the parents, the mommy, the daddy, the grandparents, the whoever, if they don't come to Jesus, they're going to answer too. You want to call that hate speech? Call a hate speech. But that's truth. And it's salty. God hates murder because it's not his will that anybody should die. God gives life. Nobody else should be able to take it. They set themselves up as God that way. They make themselves God when they take somebody else's life that's, theirs, that's not theirs to take. I want to read three, script, three quick scriptures to establish that God is life. We already read John 14, 6, and 7. But if you noticed, it said, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. We done went over that. And the, he is life. It's his identity. It's who he is. No one can come to the Father. No one can enter the gates of heaven except through Jesus. Genesis 2, 7. Then the Lord God formed the man. And from the dust of the ground, picture this, he breathed the breath of life. God gives life. He is life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. John 3, 16 through 17. I know y'all are smart. I know y'all probably know this. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. God hates death because he is life. Look at that next point. God hates murdering hands because he is a champion for the innocent. When you kill God's people, you declare war on God in heaven's army. God's justice declares victory for all the innocent. God, hear me, is a defender for the defenseless. In church, we need to be the defender for the defenseless. There are plenty of people that don't have enough people going to bat for them. There are people lost, hurting, deceived, confused, living in lies. And I wonder if God wants the church to beckon and invite those people being the light of Christ, being the salt of the earth, into the kingdom of God. And not just, not just saying, hey, come to church with me, and then, all right, nice to know you. See you later. Hope you had a good service. But then going to bat for those people to say, what can I do to help you? How can I, how can I be a resource to answer questions, to help you, to get, help you get plugged in? How can I do all those things for you? I believe that's what God wants the church to be because he is a defender of the champion. He is a defender from the innocent. He is victory. Maybe you and I can be somebody's victory in Jesus' name. Maybe you and I can be somebody's victory in Jesus' name. God hates murder because it's an attack on his people and on his kingdom. God sees murdering of the innocent, shedding of the innocent blood, and I believe it makes his blood boil. I'm going to ask again, any parents in the sanctuary, what 
would happen if somebody murdered your kids? Mm. I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. But if somebody tries to take my kid's life, I will do whatever I can until it comes to that point where I've done told you, I will kill you. And if you don't know Jesus, you're about to meet him. I love Jesus, but I love my guns too. You know what? Guns don't kill people. People do. I just told you about Cain and Abel. He killed him with a rock. You take the guns, sin will drive people to kill people with rocks, sticks, chairs, whatever they can get their hands on. If you and I would get that enraged about even the thought of someone touching our kids, you got to hear me. When God sees people killing his kids, innocent shedding of blood, you better believe there's going to be an answer on the day of judgment for what those people did. And we live in the best nation on the face of the planet, but there still are people killing Christians in the Middle East, in China. In 2022, Christians are still giving their lives for their faith. And if we're not careful, you and I will have to do that here. I say I'm willing to do it. I don't even know what would happen if it came. That's a whole different story. Actually having to do that. And if we're not careful, church, and we let these people live in lies and live in deception and then train our kids up in lies and train our kids up in deception, it's going to get harder and harder and harder. And not only will this be labeled hate speech, if you get caught with this, it might be your life. God hates murder. Look at Romans 8, 35 through 38. And I love the scripture, Paul, Romans 8, right? The, the chapter of love. And he starts with the love of God. And he moves into the theme that we're talking about murder here. And so that's why I wanted to read it today. But verse 35 says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean that he no longer loves us? If we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with what? Death. As the scriptures say, for your sake, for the sake of Jesus, we're killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory. Y'all say that with me. Overwhelming victory is ours, is yours, is mine, is the church's. Come on, somebody. Is Holly Ponds, is Arab Campus, is Alabama, is USA. If we put Jesus number one, is ours through Christ who loved us. Am I convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love? Neither death, nor life, nor demons, or angels. Neither fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. God hates murder, but nothing can separate those that have been murdered from the love of God. If you are experiencing pushback, Hate from the world, it's probably because you 
are doing it God's way. If you are going through a trouble, through a test, through a dark time, nothing can separate you from God. Except one thing. And I'm not adding to the word of God, I'm not adding to the scriptures, but it's true, and I know that you know it's true. The only thing that can separate you from him is you. The only thing is you. Your faith, your doubt. Other than that, nothing can separate us from God's love. Look at that last point. So I want you to hear me. In today's world, living for God probably means we'll be hated. But victory is still ours if we choose it. Hear me, if you speak out in truth, the world probably going to hate you. If the world's starving and all you've been living on is a steady diet of lies, when you get a little dose of truth, it's going to taste funny. Uh, and it tastes funny because truth hurts. Truth is, feels a little bit like an offense sometimes. The truth can sting a little bit. And so if you speak out, if you love what God loves and hate what God hates, and you stand up and speak out about it, you're the light of Christ, the salt of the earth, the feet of the gospel, the world might hate you. But I got good news. Just because the world hates you, it doesn't mean that God is not still with you. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Amen. Y'all pray with me. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. We thank you for this word, challenging word, thought-provoking word. God, I pray you would begin to separate those that have aligned their values with yours, that love the things that you love and Despise the things that you despise. God bless those children of God. As they go against the current of the world, as they go against the grain of where the world is going, so that your son can be glorified, so that your son can be set in his rightful place, King Jesus. And so I'll pray that we would see what you love and see what you hate. Let's stop agreeing with lies and deceit and deception. Stop agreeing with things that radical Congress is pride and lies. Forgive the church and use the church to glorify your kingdom in Jesus' name. If you're born again and you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, I want you right now to pray for the lost, please. Pray for this lost, dying world that we're talking about. But if you're here in the sanctuary today, or you're watching us online, we're glad that you're here with us. What I want to do is, as I've been talking and preaching, maybe you had a thought, you know, I don't know if Jesus is my Lord. I don't know if Jesus is my Savior. If I died today, I don't know what would happen. If you had that thought or you feel that way now, 
I want to change that. I want, I want you to leave here knowing that God loves you, that you're a child of God, that you can be accepted into his family today. That joy you've been craving, starving for, that peace you've been craving and starving for can be yours as you leave here today. And so if that's you, you want to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, right now I want you to do something. I want you to stand up right now. Physically stand up. I promise you no one's looking at you. No one's watching you. We're praying for you. If you want to make that prayer, your, your prayer today, I'll give you a few more seconds to say, I want to make Jesus my Lord, my Savior. 